Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ communities, this is Well, 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 brought to you every week by Thorn Harbour Health. Jack and Michael here in the Victorian Pride Centre studios with you on Well, Well, Well. In Adelaide, uh, Samesh will be, has been, still not totally sure about the timing of this one, but uh, the uh, campaign public cervix announcement uh, is being launched to encourage specifically trans mask, uh, our trans mask communities to screen more often. LGBTIQ people with a cervix have been shown to underscreen when it comes to cervical cancer. In fact, research shows that one in five Victorians with a cervix who identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, same-sex uh, same attracted, transgender or have an intersex variation have never had a, a cervical screening. And this can result in a greater risk of developing cervical cancer. The reasons why these groups don't screen as often as they should include people thinking they don't need to screen, feeling embarrassed or frightened, uh, and fearing uh, homophobia or transphobia. The fact is all LGBTIQ people with a cervix between the ages of 25 and 74 need cervical screening every five years to reduce their risk of cervical cancer, no matter who they have had as a sexual partner. To speak a little bit more about, um, I suppose, the that campaign production and um, uh, how it may reach uh, our trans mask uh, communities in Adelaide, we're joined now by Zach Canal from uh, Shine SA, who was recently involved in that production. Uh, welcome to Well, Well. Thank you so much for your time, Zach. No, thanks for having me. And yeah, it's a super important campaign. So I'm really quite quite happy to be involved and to really get the message out there. So Fantastic. I, I guess let's get started with, with um, that then, I guess. What was it uh, like to work for you on, on this campaign? And what, I guess, uh, significance does that have to you personally? Yeah, it's, I guess it's something that I did because, I mean, I work in sexual health and, you know, every day I talk about the importance of sexual and reproductive health and, you know, really looking after ourselves, which also then helps look after our community. And it's something that I, yeah, I kind of struggled with earlier in my, my gender journey around, you know, that, that dysphoria, that disconnect with my internal reproductive health organs and my identity and that, you know, typically men don't present to health clinics for a cervical screening. So, yeah, I, I was kind of like, you know, this is something that for me, it still does feel a little bit confronting knowing that my, my image is going to be on a billboard with the word cervix, despite the fact that, you know, I am very publicly and obnoxiously trans. But, yeah, it's also something that the visibility just, it, it, it's needed. When I've, I've Googled these things in the past and when I've looked at these things, you know, there's, there's lots of words, but there's very few pictures. And, yeah, I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to try and do something to take that next step to actually put a face to all of these words and to help others feel, hopefully, that... They're, they're less alone and that they too can look after their health care and 
feel confident in who they are and that it doesn't invalidate their identity. I mean, it is pretty exciting, I suppose, especially after Trans Day Visibility to have so much trans visibility in that sort of way, uh, as you said, uh, around this campaign. I, I recall when I was doing a bit of research around um, the previous sort of rollout of public service announcement, it was in Melbourne at the time, but I remember there being a bit of concern around um, misinformation uh, around how often, uh, what need there is for cervical screening within our LGBTIQ communities. Is that something that you've observed much um, in, in Adelaide and, and how I guess, how, how do you respond to, um, or how would you respond if, if those claims were made within earshot, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, there's, there has been some misinformation and some of it is, you know, stigma within the, within the community. A lot of it is self-stigma. But, yeah, there's been, because of some of the changes in the way that we've, we've communicated information around how often people should screen and... You know, we've, we've had the HPV vaccine and we've changed the language from pap smear to cervical screening. That Some of it, I think, is just confusion and really having the opportunity to help clarify that, particularly within the rainbow community. We know that, you know, the research is pretty clear that we, we did see a bit of misinformation that, you know, if you have never had sex with someone with a penis and you identify as someone with a vagina that they're like oh no you don't need to screen or there's less reason to screen and we know that that's just not true so yeah some of it was just misinformation some of it was you know confusion and i guess seeing these campaigns and hopefully now bringing this to adelaide and giving it a local voice here in south australia will help clarify some of that yeah. Um, and Zach, what kind of history is there of health promotion campaigns from, you know, the likes of Shine and Samesh over in, in SA that have targeted trans mask communities, either for obviously cervical screening mm. or, or other health um, issues pertinent to those communities? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that the, the wider message from some of the bodies has, yeah, always been sort of women-centric and we acknowledge that you know, where we're not trying to take away from from women and the importance of healthcare. The the way that Stein and Samesh are trying to do it is to to make it more inclusive so that it's everybody's healthcare. And they've done that in the past with some really great campaigns. I run a local group here in South Australia with a, a few really great co-facilitators called Transmask SA. And we partnered alongside Shine SA and Same Mesh a couple of years ago. This is pre-COVID. I think we're now just counting everything in with what was pre or post-COVID. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a, a screening clinic that was actually supported with a peer. So there was someone from the Transmask SA facilitator team who worked alongside Same Mesh and Shine SA to run a, a cervical screening clinic that was with a, a, an amazing doctor had the support of a really fantastic and inclusive nurse, having that peer there as well. And it was run over a few weeks so that we could try and capture, you know, a, a larger number of people to fit around schedules. But also just changing some of the language, like China and Samish have done an amazing job in de-gendering a lot of their language around health promotion. So now it's literally just going, okay, if you have these organs, this is what you should do to look after them and take care of you. So, again, it's not about erasing any particular gender identity. It's about going, if this is what your body does, this is how you should look after it, regardless of who you are. Is, is there, do you feel like there is 
I, I don't think pushback because I mean it's, it's not really the point. But in I think in Melbourne there's more um, LGBTIQ friendly health, or it feels like sometimes that there's more um, of that support, more more access to that support here in Melbourne. Whereas I understand in Adelaide um, sometimes the size of uh, the, the varied LGBTIQ communities um, can ma- mean that it can be harder to like find varied access to services. I, I guess, how do you navigate that conversation, especially around um, same-ish de-gendering a lot of the language um, in, I, I guess, Adelaide, where as much as you might have some conservative or progressive voices, um, it, I imagine, would be a very different landscape to somewhere as um, really queer as Melbourne can be sometimes. Yeah, Adelaide sometimes can feel as though, you know, it's a, it's a little bit sort of playing catch-up in comparison to, to some of the larger population cities, you know. We know that Adelaide, you know, it's the city of churches. If you look at our registration plates and on cars, I mean, sometimes it feels like the city of roadworks, but <laughs> that's that's a, a different joke if you try and travel anywhere in Adelaide. It's not me. But, yeah, it's it can be tricky, but... I mean, generally within the rainbow community, we, we do see reasonably good support. Mm. So we know that there's always going to be individuals who are like, no, this is how it's been, this is how it's always done, and how it always should be done. But we also know that there are those who are going, no, this is, it's actually not just about me, it's about community as a whole. And because we are seeing a lot more positive representation of gender diverse people and healthcare and service access and... You know, previously when we've looked at trans and gender diverse media, it's always been really negative and we're still seeing that to this day. We we only need to look at, you know, America and the don't say gay and yeah. mm. you know a lot of the like the legislation around, you know, no, you can't support trans kids to know that a lot of it is still very demonizing. But thankfully with the works of services like Shana Say and Samish mm. to really push that, you know, Trans people are people, and the only people making this political are our politicians for votes. It's literally just about healthcare. And as we're seeing more positive representation, where we're seeing less internalised stigma towards the community and greater collegiality, which is fantastic. Um, and when you're putting together, say, campaigns for um, the trans and gender diverse communities, are there particular roadblocks or hurdles or things that you need to consider in terms of putting out accurate and up-to-date information for all communities? And totally correct, I feel, as yeah, well. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, the tricky thing is often when we're popping these campaigns together, like Shine and Samesh do an amazing job of putting the community First and foremost, mm-hmm. so like when we were doing the public service announcement, we you know we want, really wanted to make sure that you know we were actually looking at community faces, and one of the biggest barriers is because it is still something that is you know people are dealing with their own dysphoria. Some people have had you know barriers with employment, barriers with you know losing friends and family. Is really getting people to feel comfortable and confident. To, to be able to go front and centre, and that's totally respectable and understandable. But, yeah, like, we we do find that there are a number of people who are going, it's really great to see these campaigns, but I don't want to be the face of that campaign. Sure, yeah. Which, yeah, totally get that. So that's one of the biggest things is, yeah, 
getting people to feel comfortable with that. But I mean, there's also been research that we've seen not only here in Adelaide, but across Australia where, you know, people don't necessarily want to always have to go to a specific LGBTQA plus clinic. They would love to be able to access their standard GP for healthcare and still have it inclusive. So, yeah, putting these campaigns together, it's finding that balance of what people actually want, what people feel comfortable to engage with, but also making sure that we're still keeping the community and working with the community, not just, you know, here's a campaign that we think your community will like. We've been speaking a lot about public service announcement, but, I mean, working with um, trans and gender diverse communities in Adelaide, I I understand that you were involved in um, sort of starting, I I believe starting Trans Health SA, I guess. What led to uh, that creation? Yeah, it was... uh, So, TransHealthSA.com was a website that we, we put together... Um, I mean, essentially, I, I spoke with a, a colleague of mine who's a researcher, Dr. Damien Riggs, um, and was like, there's all this information that is sat with a few people and that kind of feels clunky. Mm. Like, this is information that should be in the public domain, information that should be accessible to anyone and everyone looking to find it. How do we make this happen? And Dr. Riggs goes, well like to make a website so yeah i was handed a a url and we created a name and we put together this domain and now it's trans health sa as you see it what sort of it was originally because there was yeah it didn't exist um what sort of challenges i guess were that because the website doesn't only include south australian specific um resources and uh i suppose like um, healthcare providers. It provides information for that, that would be relevant across the country, indeed across the world. How, mm. how do you get a- across that much information and, and relay it in a way that um, is, you know, uh, accessible for people to work with? Yeah, I guess it's it, it's tricky. I mean, I'm I'm now very fortunate that I've got a couple of people who also help update it from time to time with me. Um, it is still primarily me who runs the content. So, yeah, I spend a fair bit of my supposed downtime, I guess, on different media, you know, finding the latest articles and finding academic resources. And I'm very fortunate to be a part of a number of different working groups and boards and things like that where I get access to that information. So, but yeah, making it accessible, it's just about remembering that, you know, not everybody who's going to be accessing this information is going to have the same academic or literary background that I do. So, yeah, I, I run it past other people and I'm very fortunate that I've got a number of people who, you know, help go, yeah, that sounds a little medically. Can mm-hmm. we make that a little bit more accessible? But, yeah, a lot of it is you'll find, you know, the fonts are sans serif. They don't have all the flicks and ticks to make it, you know, easy for screen readers and vision stuff. Mm. I keep the language as simple as possible. I try and, you know, jump on there and check all the different links every now and again to make sure that, you know, they're all still alive and working. And, yeah, 
because that can be that can be a real struggle when you're working in um you know community advocacy community services sometimes people put out campaigns and they they're only live for 12 months and then websites go down um the urls change someone else takes on a new project and so it is this constant battle of trying to to, to keep things live, I guess. Um, in terms of the kind of content that's on Trans Health Essay, when you were talking about, you know, making that accessible, who is accessing this particular information? Is it for, you know, trans individuals who might be, you know, self-advocating for their own health care? Is it for people working in community services? Or is it a bit of a mixture of, of those things? Yeah, it's everyone from, you know, allies, so friends, family, teachers, it's for the community themselves, so there's resources on there like, you know, where do you buy a binder and, you know, what health programs are around and how do you, there's a document called the Essay Practitioners List. So they're, you know, typically for the community or for parents and carers, you know, how do I support someone I care for? But it's for, for workers, it's for anyone who's really in contact with someone who's gender diverse. So, yeah, it, on average, we I have a little tracker built into the page that tells me how many clicks I'm getting each day and where in Australia people are generally clicking from, so if they're metro or regional or outside of South Australia. And, yeah, despite it being a South Australian website, we do get quite quite a few clicks that are coming from interstate. And quite a few that I'm really happy to see for our rural and regional community because we know that accessing healthcare outside the metro is also really difficult. But... Yeah, it's for anybody, really. How is your, I guess, expertise in, because um, trying to say, I understand you're a sexual health counsellor, um, how does that expertise <laughs> sort of um, play into uh, crafting that content? You mentioned earlier around the accessibility, but I imagine to, to navigate making it accessible, you need to have that wealth of knowledge and experience behind you as well. Yeah, I guess I'm in a really privileged position. I, I wear quite a few hats. So as a member of the community, as someone who does have access to a lot of resources that other people just may not. But I'm also in a position where I get a lot of feedback from the community about what's missing in their world and you know what individuals are seeking. So I can kind of go, oh, this person has said to me that you know they want this. And that's actually not on the site. All right, I'm going to put it on the site. Because if that person wants it, chances are somebody else does too. So, yeah, having that information, it also means that I can, I can fact check it past colleagues and be like, hey, I've come across this resource that's telling us a bit this about sexual health and information. Can you double check it for me? And, yeah, it, it just does mean that it's, it's a lot more accountable for what it is. It's, it's fact-based, it's research-based, and it's also then got the community kicked because it's people literally going, you know, I didn't find that helpful or I didn't understand what that meant. Or, and I, I can then adjust it. What have been some of the lessons you've learnt since starting the site? You mentioned stuff like uh, user experience, sans-serif fonts, um, mm. making it feel um, accessible. But I guess as far as the content goes or anything else around the website, how has that changed in, in the years that it's been running? Yeah, I, I find that I'm constantly adding things. <laughs> um so, yeah, like we've got different community groups in Adelaide and South Australia broadly now that, you know, we're, we're making sure that at any time that they create a resource, that, that that's promoted. Like, we really want to lift and elevate those voices. We want to really get information out that, you know, South Australia is, is an amazing, diverse community mm -hmm. and 
we really want to make that front and centre, but we also want to go for the person who may be sitting in their bedroom and, you know, it's, it's one o'clock in the morning, they can't sleep and they, they're feeling really isolated and alone, that they, they might just type in the words Trans Adelaide or Trans South Australia. This website comes up and they go, holy crap, I'm not alone. Uh, for people who are listening who want to be able to visit the website or, or find any other resources that might be um, relevant, Zach, where, where can they go? Yeah, so, I mean, on the, the Trans Health SA website, they will find a whole tab there called Agencies, Organisations and Resources. You drop it down and it's uh, SA and Wider Australian. And there's a whole list of services there that are available and accessible. And, I mean, Shona say I'm a little bit biased because that's where I work. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's probably one of the first go-to places that many will think of when they think of gender diverse healthcare. Um, if they're under the age of 16, the Women's and Children's Hospital has a fantastic gender diversity clinic. But there's also a whole list there of practitioners, you know, if you're just wanting to talk to your GP or if you're, you know, looking for a, a physiotherapist or if you're looking for a speech pathologist, there's a list of names there as well. So, yeah, hopefully the website, you know, it's got a list of community groups. You'll find somewhere to just chill and have a social chat. It's got a list of support groups and, you know, it's got a list of health services. Hopefully on there you'll find something that will meet your needs. Zach Canal from Shine SA, uh, creator of Trans Health SA. Thank you so much for joining us on Well, Well, Well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 your show for LGBTIQ health and well-being, presented by joy sponsor Thorn Harbour Health. For more on these topics and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website thornharbour.org. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.